0: So there is a deep body of evidence from the scientific community that makes the connection between the physical attributes of our buildings, the way we operate our buildings, the way we maintain our buildings, the programming that we create for our buildings, and the measurable impact that those are having on all aspects of health. Hello and welcome to the REIT
1: Report. I'm your host, Sarah and keto Before we get to our guest today, I wanted to let you know about Nareed's upcoming REIT World Conference. More than 80 REIT management teams will be there and are currently accepting requests for in-person meetings with investors who are registered for the conference. This event will give you the opportunity to get the latest news, analysis and insights from REIT industry experts on topics ranging from ESG to the economy. ReetWorld will be on November 15th, 16th, and 17th in San Francisco, and I encourage you to register at Read.com forward slash ReetWorld. Now, as workplaces around the country see a steady return of employees, issues of building health are more relevant than ever. With me to discuss this important topic is Joanna Frank, President and CEO of the Center for Active Design, which operates the Fitwell Building Certification System. Joanna, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. So
1: Fitwell is a relative newcomer to the building certification space. Can you start by talking about its origins and the mechanics of how it operates?
0: Sure, absolutely. Uh, So Fitwell was actually originally created um, and developed by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention um, and the General Service Administration, so the U.S. federal government. uh, The CDC needs no introduction. The GSA is the arm of the federal government that actually manages the portfolio of buildings. Um, So it was a collaboration between those two agencies Um, and then we started operating fitwell five years ago and brought it to the private real estate sector and obviously we continue to work with uh, the public sector and the cdc remains our research and evaluation partner Um, and the way that fitwell works it's really On two levels, Uh, the first is that uh, we've taken the global evidence base, so obviously that was started by the CDC, and translated that into design and operational strategies that are directly relevant to many different asset classes so for existing buildings as well as new construction um, for entire portfolios of assets you can use fitwell to assess your individual assets against the definition of a healthy building which is what the standard really is um, and you can also take that asset level data and through the system you can look at how your portfolio is performing um, as a whole against those uh, metrics that really define a healthy building, but also comply with S metrics within your ESG reporting. So it's both an asset level assessment tool and certification, and then it's a portfolio-wide or fund-wide way to actually measure uh, your uh, collective impact uh, of your whole portfolio.
1: How is FitWell currently being used across the REIT and the real estate industry today?
0: Yeah, so I mean, the REITs were actually pretty much our first adopters. So thank you to all (laughs) the REITs that are uh, using Fitwell at scale. Um, And so we've really kind of, the REIT community is the furthest along in its journey when it comes to promoting health for the occupants of buildings. Um, So what we saw was the first kind of earliest adopters, um, which include Alexandria and Kilroy and um, Boston properties. So many many REITs, lots more as well, Hudson Pacific, um, started by using FitWell on one or two of their assets within different portfolios. So to really kind of test the waters and understand where do our assets stand up to the FitWell standard, uh, where do they uh, score as is. So kind of really understanding and setting a baseline for your existing assets. Folks usually started with a few assets um, and then gained confidence that this was a highly user friendly system like fitwell is a tech platform and it is it is really designed to be user friendly um, and it isn't going to take a lot of your time to do this so Once folks had used it on a few assets, understood the process, understood what we mean by a healthy building, right? Because this was a new concept five years ago to the industry. Um, How do our assets impact the health of the people within our buildings? This was a, a question that folks had not really been answered answering um five years ago obviously now it's top of mind for everybody because of the pandemic um, but it's a pretty new subject five years ago so folks were using it on a few assets to start with diverse assets um, and then rolling it out across whole portfolios using the system to first benchmark their assets set that baseline and then make those incremental improvements over the years more more assets certified using that then to report into their ESG um, reporting, into their impact reporting, um, and also just to directly benefit um, and enhance tenant satisfaction. So we know from the data um, that there is a direct correlation between your FitWell score, i.e. the number of strategies that you are implementing uh, that promote the health of your occupants and your tenant satisfaction, including your net promoter score. So there are really two big motivations for using FitWell. One is obviously to to really enhance the experience and the health of the people within your buildings. Um, And then the other is to have a standard by which to measure this that is validated, that has third-party certification, so that you can use that as part of your reporting uh, requirements that obviously all REITs have now when it comes to ESG. And
1: how has the importance of the physical, mental, and social aspects of the built environment been supported by science in recent years? And to what extent would you say the real estate industry has taken
0: this on board? So something that I always like to start with is that the design, the operation, the maintenance of the buildings that we live and work in and the neighborhoods in which they sit have a measurable impact on your health, whether you know it or not. So the buildings are impacting health, and health is impacting tenant satisfaction. So this is really about like how do we quantify it? Um, and the evidence base, the so way I can say that with certainty is the evidence base is so deep. So behind Fitwell, there are 5,600 peer-reviewed research studies that have come, that have been published by academic institutions around the world, primarily over the last 10 years, but public health is a more than 100-year-old profession. So there is a deep body of evidence from the scientific community that makes the connection between the physical attributes of our buildings, the way we operate our buildings, the way we maintain our buildings, the programming that we create for our buildings, and the measurable impact that those are having on all aspects of health. So your physical health, but your mental health, and then social health is really trust. And one of the kind of things I think folks don't understand in the real estate, including myself, before I started this, is that you can measure trust and trust is very quantifiable. And I think from a building perspective, the thing that impacts trust, one of the the most uh, kind of uh, influential factors on trust is actually how well maintained a building is. So if I, as a person, am walking into a building and I see a dead fir tree or I see any kind of litter, that is going to have a very negative impact on levels of trust. So even if you are running that building with the best possible indoor air quality and all of this, all of the, these other factors that are really there and designed to optimize that environment for people, I am already going to be skeptical. Um, and so the difference between well-maintained greenery and poorly maintained greenery is actually at 15 percentage points. So positive five for well-maintained green as far as trust is concerned, but a negative 10 for poorly maintained greenery. Um, So it's those kind of those visual cues that we all take as human beings, right, as people, um, about whether I'm safe here, whether I trust this environment, right, we're constantly making those assessments. And I think what the science can tell us is how to quantify that, what they are, make it very tangible and very measurable. And then what we can do is to both identify those strategies, but also then correlate them with direct financial outcomes um, so that. As a real estate industry, we really understand the value of promoting health uh, for the occupants of our buildings.
1: So let's turn to investors for a minute. Um, how interested are they in this information and how are they using it?
0: Sure. So we did a survey of global investors in partnership with the UN and Benton Green Oak a couple of years ago to ask exactly that question, right? So this isn't me saying, I think this, this is us going out to uh, investors who represent uh, 5.7 trillion of assets under management. So what do they think about health, how how high up on their priority list are these Metrics, you know, where do they assess this um, as far as risk is concerned, as far as ESG is concerned? And 90% of the investors we surveyed said that they would be doing more around uh, the health and wellness piece of their ESG strategy. They would be requiring data. Uh, they would be requiring um metrics that really quantified this risk so the overwhelming response from the investment community was that this is an area that they are prioritizing that they are aware of um, and actually are already collecting data on so even it was really kind of two and a half three years ago uh, there were metrics that the investment community were using in order to assess risk from that human perspective which included Walk score, so how, walkability, how walkable is the neighborhood, the location that your building was, is within. Uh, indoor air quality also was one of the top metrics folks were already um, looking at as far as assessing risk from a human perspective, from a people perspective. Um, using certifications was also a metric that, that that was already very popular as a way to quantify the impact and to really understand if the buildings were meeting that science-based level um, so that's you know obviously what certifications can do they they validate the approach they they are a sign of excellence for for a portfolio so investors were already aware of health before covid um, but it was very much viewed as a nice to have so when i have done everything else with my real estate portfolio i've looked at environmental impact i've looked at all of these other facets then I'm going to think about health as a way to positively differentiate my portfolio. Um, But really, it was a nice to have. It was not seen uh, as it is now as essential. So the big shift that we have seen in the market is that fit well, not fit well alone, but health is seen as essential. It is seen as table stakes. If you want to attract and retain tenants, you really need to be um, able to answer that question of how is this a health-promoting environment, um, it's, it's a minimum requirement. So it has now really become essential that buildings and building owners um, are able to articulate how you are responding to this demand for healthy buildings, whether you're on the residential side or on the commercial side. The demand is now coming from tenants. It's coming from individuals. Um, and that's another thing that the investors identified was that this was really a tenant-driven demand. Tenants are looking at and prioritizing these aspects of a building that promote health um, and using that as one of the main uh, indicators about whether they are going to remain in in that building or whether they're going to locate their their offices um, within those buildings. Because their employees are demanding it of them as as, uh, companies. So employees are saying you know, I'm hesitant about coming back into the office. And if I'm coming back into the office, you're going to have to show me how this is beneficial to my health and my quality of life. So it's a really massive shift as far as demand is concerned. Um, and investors, obviously, because of that now view this as a risk, right? There is an, there is a, a distinct possibility of having stranded assets, of of actually seeing your asset become less valuable if you aren't meeting that baseline for being a healthy building um, because your peers and your competitors are able to articulate that so so this is a big shift um, in demand on both from both the, the tenant side but also from the investor side.
1: so from what you're saying, it sounds like building health issues will be standard reporting going forward and companies that don't prioritize um, these issues
0: will face competitive pressures. yeah, perfect. much more succinct way of putting it <laughs> <But> yes <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that's what we're seeing in the marketplace. We are at the other end of that demand curve where we're seeing companies that were using Fitwell specifically, because right, that's what we do, on one or two assets, as I was saying, and they were using it because they were required to use it by an investor or they were using it because it was a, an asset that was particularly high profile or, or those kind of scenarios, but thinking about it one-off for assets. Now we are seeing the same users um, and the REITs uh, absolutely looking at this as an enterprise wide approach as a way to look at how can I look at my entire entity and demonstrate how I am complying with all of these different S metrics, the factors that really define a healthy environment for humans, for people. Um, Because It's demanded in the marketplace. I have to be able to tell individual tenants how I'm doing this and individual assets, but I also have to be able to report on this for my ESG reporting because those investors are requiring it or they are preferring to uh, invest in companies that are obviously um, reporting on ESG. So at the moment, I don't think folks are generally requiring ESG for investment, but the majority of the funds that they're investing are going into uh, into assets that can that are reporting on ESG.
1: And finally, Joanna, what's next both for Fitwell and the real estate industry as uh, you continue to address issues of health and wellness?
0: So I'm excited that just uh, a few days ago we released uh, the kind of the next piece in the puzzle um, for us, and that is translating those strategies that promote health. So the individual strategies around the location of a building, the operation of the building, the amenities within the building, um, the design of the building. So taking all of those individual strategies that you're assessing at the individual asset level, and we just this week put out a guide, uh, which we're calling Measuring S, um, and we identified and have now shared with the industry S metrics that are directly impacted by that health by those uh, health strategies. So this is kind of a big step forward because one of the big barriers to S and to being able to um, to report on S was uh, an understanding of what metrics we should be gathering as an industry in order to articulate your uh, risk as it as it um, as it's represented from that people perspective. So we've put this this um, guide out that really uh, gives you those S metrics. They are all metrics that are kind of attainable, right? None of these are metrics that you've kind of like, oh, I have no idea how to measure that, or I've never thought about that before, right? They're They're very... Um, straightforward, um, but that's that's the good thing about health, right? None of this is rocket science. None of this uh, represents strategies or approaches that we haven't thought about before. But it's really having that collected understanding of this is how you measure S. These metrics do then translate into financial risk, or uh, you know, are a way to uh, minimize uh, financial risk to your to your real estate. So this is the next big step for us. And that is um, continuing to work with our partners in the industry to really respond to their demand Um, that how do you translate the knowledge that we have, which is the public health research and that kind of the people perspective, how do you translate that into the measurements and metrics and direct correlation to value that is necessary for the real estate industry to be successful and to continue along their journey of ESG. Uh, So we will be continuing to support the industry at both that asset level but increasingly at that entity level, because that is what's needed um, when it comes to meeting demand for those uh, investor uh, reporting metrics. Excellent. Joanne, thanks so much for joining the podcast
1: today. Thank you. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.